This morning's Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians 15, which is all about the truth and significance of Jesus' resurrection. We'll be reading from verse 1 to 20 and then skip a chunk in the middle of the chapter that addresses particular issues relating to our future resurrection. And we'll pick up again at verse 50. Sorry, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all a people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And then over to verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with with immortality. When the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, 
He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Thanks, Mandy. Friends, what, what difference does the resurrection really make? Uh, we've just been reading through Mark's Gospel and, uh, and therefore we, we use Mark's Gospel as the account uh, of Jesus' death and resurrection for our Easter last weekend and, and for some of us we noticed that actually Mark seems pretty light on for detail. He sort of just, just tells us that the angel reported to Mary that this has happened and, and then he moves on. Um, and the danger might be that we read Mark's Gospel and we think, well, maybe there's not much evidence for it, maybe it really doesn't change much. But actually we need to see that in the context of what Mark is doing, really highlighting for us the significance of the cross, that the mighty, powerful Son of God would lay down his life for us. And it's by no means a suggestion that the resurrection doesn't uh, count for much. Um, aside from Matthew and Luke and John, who each in their way have chosen to give a whole bunch more information about Jesus' resurrection and his interaction with his disciples after he rose and his ascension to heaven. Um, we also have the testimony of the Apostle Paul that we've just read here in 1 Corinthians 15. And although he's not a gospel writer, we don't have the gospel according to Paul, um, what we have here is actually one of the earliest um, testimonies of the resurrection. And as I hope you've seen, actually one that gives us every reason to have great confidence in the resurrection of Jesus and to understand its significance for us. So just a, a couple of very brief reflections before then, as Lauren mentioned earlier, we've got some chairs up here because we've invited a few people from church to, to come and join us and just to help us reflect on that together. Um, I want, if you've got the passage there in front of you, to highlight that actually what Paul does as he opens this chapter is to point us to the confidence that we have that Jesus really did rise from the dead. That what I passed on, Paul says, what I, sorry, what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That is to say, it didn't come out of nowhere. God had told us all about it in the Scriptures leading up to that. And so that you know it really happened, he was buried. He really died. He was buried. And that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. That might have come at left field for the women on Easter Sunday morning. They didn't know quite what to do with it, but God had anticipated it in his Holy Scriptures. It wasn't totally out of the blue, although it was unique. And so that you know it really happened, well, we continue to read that uh, he appeared to Kephas, that is Peter, and to the Twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and the sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to the apostles and last of all to me, that is Paul also. Christ died according to the scriptures, not from left field. He really died, he was buried. Christ rose according to the scriptures, not from left field. It was anticipated and promised by God. And he really rose because it made it known to a whole bunch of people. And then as Paul highlights for the Corinthians and God does so for us, everything hinges on that because it all falls over if Jesus didn't rise. I'm sure you saw that come through in what Mandy reflected on. Um, and 1 Corinthians 15 is a passage that's been really significant for me in reflecting on why I 
come to put my faith in Jesus. Because we have this testimony here of dozens of people who saw him and if the Corinthians weren't confident of it, they could go and check in with them because a bunch of them were still alive. And so as we read Paul's very early account here in this letter to the Corinthians, we have every reason to believe that it happened. And then we have every reason to see why it matters. Uh, In verse 19, we read, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I've seen that come through um, in conversation with a a good mate of mine called Andrew, uh, who I went through uni with. Um, uh, Back in the day, as uni students, we were living at Lincoln College in North Adelaide with a couple of hundred other uni students, pretending to study hard in our medical degrees, but most of the time uh, just playing hours and hours of table tennis long into the early hours of the morning or watching footy or heading out to play footy or just doing what you know, 20-year-old blokes do. Andrew was an incredi- is an incredibly uh, bright man, um, not a Christian and fascinated to know that I was. And so over hours and hours of table tennis or kicking the footy, as blokes do, yelling at each other from 30 metres apart to have a theological conversation, um, I remember very distinctly a particular game of table tennis at some ridiculous hour of the morning, which actually drew kind of a line under our conversation that had carried on over weeks and months and even a couple of years to that point, where Andrew said to me, Simon, I, I can't work out whether to admire you or to pity you. Because I admire the strength of your conviction. I admire the way that it shapes your life. I admire the way that you're making decisions with everything that kind of student life offered. I admire the way that you're making decisions in light of your conviction that Jesus rose from the dead. But I think I pity you. Because as far as Andrew could tell, this this was all just based on a fairy tale. And he got exactly what Paul is saying here, that all stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I continue to pray for Andrew. We catch up very occasionally and I keep track of all of the amazing things he's doing in his medical career uh, via Facebook. But he's never come to terms with the resurrection. But he gets what Paul talks about here, that if Christ didn't rise, we're stuck in our sins. If Christ didn't rise... We're to be pitied more than all because more fool you or me that we would change our lives on the basis of a fairy tale. So I hope you find um, 1 Corinthians 15 a really encouraging passage to to read through and I encourage you to to read over it all this afternoon, not just the bits that we've looked at but even the the, the, the section in between. But at this point I'm going to put uh, this lectern out of the way so that we can see people and can I invite Johannes and Hans and Margaret to come on up and why don't you encourage them with uh, a bit of a round of applause to say thanks because they're going to share a little bit with us. Let me rearrange the furniture. There you go, Margaret. Um, I think as much as it's helpful to hear, in a sense, some of the theory... Um, uh, of the resurrection and the confidence that we have in it and its impact on our lives. Um, actually, it's on that, that final piece coming out of Easter that I thought it'd be really helpful to hear from these three people, simply as brothers and sisters um, here at church with us. 
Um, but in different ways, with each of them, there have just been uh, conversations that I've had with them that I've found so tremendously encouraging. And so they were very gracious when I then followed them up and said, oh, I'm thinking about doing this the Sunday after Easter. Would you mind sharing with us? So thank you guys for your, your boldness and your generosity in sharing in that way. Johanna, so I'm going to dive straight in with, uh, with you. Um, it's every likelihood that not everyone here has met you because uh, you and um, Christiana have only been with us uh, for a couple of months since you've come out from Sweden and it's a real delight to have you and the kids here with us. Um, Johannes is an orthopaedic surgeon doing what uh, quite a few surgeons do. They, they take a, a year, they call it a fellowship year, which is supposed to mean that he's working really hard. I don't know, looking at his you know, Facebook feed, he's been enjoying the McLaren Vale and the Barossa Valley and the Adelaide Hills. But then I did hear the other morning that he only got home at about 3am and then had to be back in at work um, the following morning for ward round. So you definitely are working hard. But Johannes, you're an orthopaedic surgeon who your whole career is about patching people up so that they don't die because people don't come back from the dead. Uh, You're a scientific mind and clearly an intelligent man and yet it's abundantly clear to me that you are thoroughly convinced of the resurrection of Jesus, that, that it did actually happen. I'm not going to ask you to sort of give us, you know, the textbook answer, but what do you find personally so convincing, convincing rather, about the claim that, that Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, so, so with, a, with a fear of turning into the Swedish chef here, I um, just want to <laughs> share a couple of, couple of thoughts that I had. So for me, it's really, it's been, first of all, it's a truth claim. Like if we believe in this, then, then this is a claim of truth, you know, and there has to be some kind of reason for it, not just a, maybe a feeling that it could be true or so. And it's almost like it's a matter of exclusion of, of all the different sort of um, possibilities. So just want to highlight a couple. So for example, a lot of people say that, well, Jesus maybe wasn't dead, like he never died and he's not, like he's somewhere else. But this could very easily be checked, right? There's a grave. Jesus' body should be there. And he, like you said, Simon, we read, he showed himself to 500 people, and then Paul writes, most of whom are still alive. Like, why would he write that? It's so that you can go and ask them. And, and maybe the thing that's been most encouraging to me is that a lot of people think that, well, the disciples just stole the body and went on with it and told a lie. And I want to read a quote from, from a, a guy named Chuck Colson. He was uh, one of President Nixon's um, lawyers, and he was sort of involved in the Watergate scandal. Um, and he uh, was born again, and he has said this, and I think this sort of sums up kind of what I, what I think about this. Too. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And I think this, to me, sort of sums it up. Like, there is no way that I would go through even like I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's hard in a in a setting like a scientific setting. People think that you're just follow science to a T and that there's no supernatural. It's hard to be like, well, I believe in a God that can do things, hmm. you know. And so if I'm afraid of that, I know that I certainly 
if I didn't think that this was true, I certainly wouldn't be stoned or tortured for it. So for these men to go through all of that for so long, not wavering, is such a testimony to me. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you've alluded to it there, Johannes. Um, you're in a scientific field, um, one which is really built on the premise that we want to keep people alive because they don't come back from the dead. Um, can you share with us, um, just a little as you've shared with me, about just some of the personal kind of significance for you that, that you find so personally encouraging to, to hang on to know this great truth, that Jesus actually has defeated death. He has risen. You know, what's some of the significance for you? Well, again, it's, it comes back to two things. One is the, the truth claim. God claimed that this is going to happen and this is what happened so that we can rest in that truth. And the other thing that I find so incredibly encouraging is what a God we serve, almighty, all-powerful. If he can do this for Jesus, then there's truly hope for us, not just sort of this. Because some people argue that it's just a, it was just a feeling, you know, the, the disciples felt that, that Jesus was resurrected. But again, that feeling doesn't really do much for us, does it? So to me, it's the truth claim and the power of God that he's able to do this. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Johannes. Very helpful to hear. Um, Hans, if I ask you to take the microphone from, from Johannes there, um, we've only just been getting to know each other over the last 12 months since, since Marshman's moved to Trinity Brighton. But as it happens, I've known a little bit of Hans's story for some years because I went through uni with his now adult son, Richard, and, um, and had the real privilege of hearing a little bit about uh, how God had been at work in Hans' life and then, of course, to show up here and to be sharing you know, life at church with you. Hans, it would be really, really wonderful if you could just share something of how God has brought you to faith in Jesus. Sure, um, Simon. Um, I was um, brought up a, a Roman Catholic um, and, like many people, I became... A little bit disenchanted and disillusioned with the with the Catholic Church, and basically lost my faith. Um, sort of uh, flirted a bit with um, Buddhism and those sort of Eastern transcendental type of um, philosophies, um, and came to the conclusion that um, look, it didn't really matter what religion you were. Um, God was going to look at you know Jesus was going to look after everyone. And my son, who at that stage had started going to ES and had joined um, Holy Trinity in the city, said to me one day, Dad, Jesus said the only way to the Father is through me. And that was a very um, poignant um, and very very profound message that that sort of stuck in my my brain and I really started to... uh, to think about it. And by that time, um, Richard had started to come here to the bay. Um, Christine had started to come. I was still languishing in the background. And when I retired, I'd, I thought I'll give it a go. I'll just come here just to see, you know, finally if there's anything in it or not. Yep. I got very encouraged when I came here by Val and by Rick and Margaret, Margaret sitting alongside of me. Um, and Luke Woodhouse, one of the pastors here at the time, um, gave me a little book that helped to explain some of the doctrinal differences between the Catholic Church and what was being taught here. And I, I you know, that made me feel a whole lot hmm. better. And the more I started to come, the more I, 
I just felt, no, this is right. Mm. You know, mm. I can really... Jesus does relate personally to me, not just to mankind. Mm. Mm. And that was, you know, one of the biggest hurdles that I um, overcame and I'm very grateful for having come here yeah. and seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is wonderful to hear how God, he uses that mix of, you know, the truth claim that Johannes has described there. Um, and, and actually, at a number of points in the New Testament, um, we are pointed to the resurrection of Jesus as being the fundamental truth claim that, that says this is the man who God has appointed as Lord of all and as the judge to come. He is the unique Jesus, um, the one that we need to bow down to. And yet God also then does that in community, doesn't he, uh, Hans, as you've yeah, reflected he, he on you know, Margaret and, 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 and Val and, and Rick and, and Mike and, and Luke and others that you've spoken to who have just been encouraging along the way there. Yeah. Indeed, and I think, you know, to just say what does the resurrection mean to me, I think it's the ultimate proof mm. that Jesus is all the things that, you know, he said he was and was, was said to be. So um, yeah. I think that's, yeah. you know, you can't make it more powerful than that, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And as a lovely little side note, it just occurred to me that what a wonderful plug for university ministry, right? Here's Richard coming to faith through ministry that's happening on campus at the same time that Peter and I were at at uni, um, rubbing shoulders there, and then um, some decades, some years later, uh, God continues the work in um, in bringing uh, his dad Hans to faith in Jesus as well. That's that's really wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us, Hans. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, Margaret, um, if you can take the microphone because um, uh, I I find great encouragement in the final verse of one Corinthians fifteen. As we read here, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. And, you know, Hannes sort of alluded to it earlier that, you know, there is in the medical world, um, uh, where we're kind of raising your hand and saying, yes, I believe in a supernatural God is, is an, an uncommon thing. Um, or could you know potentially bring with it some ridicule? Um, can you share with us what comfort have you taken from this verse? That you know this is concluding Paul's chapter on Jesus rose from the dead. You too will rise from the dead. Therefore, know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. How have you found encouragement from that verse? Well, I thought that verse was a little bit limiting, just to limit me to one verse. To one verse, yeah, okay. What encouragement have you taken from this chapter, Margaret? Yeah. So I took as my starting point the word therefore. Okay, okay, all right, we're getting into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think you have to start that, as it has been said, if there wasn't the resurrection, there's no point. Mm. Um, because Jesus would still be in the grave. Mm. I wouldn't be saved. I wouldn't have salvation. There'd be mm. no Christians. Mm. And I think, really, we'd be very miserable in this life. Mm. Um, so I had to start. I, I confess I've never doubted the resurrection. Mm. I came to believe in Jesus probably from my father when I was probably about two. There was a start when he used to sing hymns to me, not that he was going to church at that time, but the... So I've never doubted, but as I've grown older and thought about it, there's just no reason to doubt. As Johannes said, it just all, it makes sense. Why would those disciples um, suffer and die as they did? Mm. Um, it, it makes sense. Why wouldn't the Jews bring the body 
to life. Yes. It was being guarded. Yes. So I must not get digressed, but um, <laughs> the resurrection is so crucial. And to me, the resurrection in the face of death, I remember the great encouragement, oh, death, where is thy sting? Mm. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Thankfully, I've only faced the death of my parents. I haven't had to face the death of a spouse. But even there, I was just so aware that mum was not in that grave. She was alive. She was in life again. Um, that life is victor now. Mm. So this practical comfort you have and assurance. Um, trying to keep it brief, I had three points. The second one was to stand firm. And to me, the resurrection is the basis for standing firm. I know he's alive. He walk, There's an old hymn, I serve a risen saviour, he's in the world today. You ask me how I know he's living, he lives within my heart. Hmm. Um, he's alive. And in fact, as I was thinking about this, hymns just keep flooding into my mind. Um, the firmness comes from... Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And the older you get, you realise that your life is going to come to the grave. Mm. Yeah, I can't say I don't have some fears, mainly how I might die. Um, but there's no fear and there's no need for fear. Because I know he is there with his hand. He's got his arms around me and he's holding out his hand. And when I come to that final breath, like... Trevor has. Mm. He will be there holding my hand. I don't follow um, modern music very much, but I think there was an old song, put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the waters. Mm. You know, like a... Um, you probably know that, Andrew. <laughs> that song. And that's what it is. that I put my hand out, he's holding it. He will take me across that Jordan into the promised land. There's nothing like this. So why wouldn't we serve someone who has given his everything mm. for me? Anything yes. I can do, which is so pitiful, is never enough. Yeah. And I don't do it so that I will get into heaven. Thankfully, he's made it possible yeah. for me to get into heaven. But we want to, in our heart, we want to do everything to please him. Yeah. And nothing we can do is enough. And nothing, even if it's small is wasted because that's about all we can take from here into his presence and into life. Is anything done for him? That's the only thing I can take. And so it's sort of like banking in heaven. <laughs> Treasures in heaven. And I've sort of got a yeah. financial sort of bent a little bit. And, um, yeah, so I wish I was doing more. We should all go to Margaret for investment advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Store up treasures in heaven. Yeah, yes. but... It's not going to be wasted. Yeah. He loves, he cares, he knows whether it's hard. He, yeah, yeah. He's a wonderful saviour. Yeah, and I think it's remarkable to, to reflect on how that, the difference that we don't need to fear death totally changes life. If you just pause and reflect on how much of our whole society and the advertising industry and the medical profession and, and, and holidays and experiences are all built around mm. a fear of death and trying to grab what you can while you can here and now... Mm. And having all of that turned on, our head, on its head because we know Jesus is risen, so I'm freed instead of that constant pursuit of the here and now to actually make that eternal investment. Uh, that radically changes things, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, friends, um, it has been so encouraging to hear from you, both this morning but also just in conversation. And I want to keep encouraging us to keep having those kinds of conversations. You know, what, what's just to, to reflect together on how the resurrection of Jesus, knowing the one that um, is Lord of all and has defeated even death, loves you and me such that he would give his life for us. Those, those kind of conversations, they are the, the worldview-changing, culture-changing conversations that we actually come for here each week. That's really what church is. We, we're a learning community. We come to hear first God speak to us through his word, pointing us to the risen Lord Jesus, who died according to the scriptures, who was raised according to the scriptures. That, what, that's, what, that's what holds the Bible together. But then we actually come in community so that we can keep having these conversations, reflecting on how that kind of hits the ground for us in a day-to-day way. Um, and I think to sum that up, as Paul reflected, as we've heard already, if Christ didn't rise, we're still in our sins. We are without hope. But because we know he did, we have that hope, not only of our forgiveness, but of the life to come and of his power to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And that wonderful image that Territory Dan brought us of the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And as I did read the Bible uh, with Trevor on Good Friday, um, just a matter of hours, a day and a half before he went to be with Jesus, the confidence that Trevor had in knowing that Jesus had already gone before him, uh, that, that actually Trevor didn't need to fear death because actually there's this great harvest that is to come. The confidence we have of that is because Jesus' tomb is empty. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that opportunity for us to reflect on how we live differently because we don't fear death. It's not just for the end of life, but actually there is a sense in... I want 20-year-olds thinking about how they're going to die well, whether that's next week or in 60 years or more to come, but that we would be the people that are having those conversations. How am I living well? Because I know Jesus lives forever. Um, Can I invite you in a moment just to thank these guys for sharing and and let's just take a leaf out of their book and to continue to reflect and chat about such things. Uh, And then I'll hand over to Lauren just to to tie up our time together. But why don't we just thank these guys uh, for sharing with us. Thank you. Uh, How wonderful was that to hear uh, stories uh, of lives transformed by and confidence in the good news that uh, Jesus is alive. Uh, I wonder if... Uh, anything you heard this morning has actually um, got your mind thinking. Uh, perhaps for you, this might be a prompt to investigate the truth claims of the resurrection, uh, to look into those things for yourself. Uh, maybe this is just uh, a challenge and encouragement uh, to spur you on to consider what, what does a life uh, lived in the hope of the resurrection uh, look like? Uh, So I actually want to just encourage us to take a brief moment to pause and reflect. Uh, Perhaps consider um, what's something that you've learnt today. Uh, How will you respond? What conversations will you have in light of what you've heard? Uh, So let's take a brief moment and then I'll pray for us. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for raising Jesus to, to life. 
We thank you for the hope that it gives us for the future and the encouragement it gives us for how we live today. Please help us to stand firm, to let nothing move us, strengthen and equip us to give ourselves fully to your work, knowing that our labour in the Lord is not in vain. Amen.